Turn with me over to Genesis chapter 3, if you will, for a moment. In Genesis chapter 3, I think I mentioned this to you last year, and it kind of felt like a wet blanket, probably because I didn't spend enough time with some understanding of it. In Genesis chapter 3, we know where we are in the, in the, in the scriptures. Uh, the beginning of Genesis chapter 3, we have sin happening. And, uh, you know, I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid myself. God is now finding Adam, uh, hiding from him, uh, and begins the cursed is the ground for your sake. Now, God didn't curse the ground. Adam did. Adam was the boss in the earth in that day. And so now he said, because of what you have done, cursed is the ground. God did not curse the ground when he said that. It was a, it's an explanation point. Uh, but I, what I, what I want to draw your attention to is if you go to, uh, I should have, um, where are we, 22? And the Lord God said, behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. How many of you know that God knows evil? Isn't that an interesting thought? But God could not teach man evil. Do you know why God could not teach man evil? Because he could not say evil things. Because if he said evil things, what would happen to, those, to the world as we know it? It would become evil. Because what he says happens. Because he believes in what he says. And so humankind then, in order for us, we always have said, you know, I was created in the image and likeness of God. And although we are created in the image and likeness of God, it was not until after we became people who knew good and evil that in fact now we had become like God. Mm-hmm. Now, that's probably shocking some of you. The important thing about it is that God did not create human beings to be clones or computers or as it were, angels. We see, if, I, if, if a person only knows what I say, I'm not really giving that person the choice to choose what somebody else says because I've literally encapsulated that person in a cocoon and all they listen to is pastorian teaching tapes all their life. They just have no access to anything else. What God wanted for human beings was that human beings would be like him. God, and it's almost shocking, God knows evil. He understands evil. He understands every bit of evil that has ever been accomplished, ever. He has seen it all, every bit of it. The problem is where we don't understand in our humanity as God has in his permission actually in his desire to produce people like him. That's who he wanted. He has allowed us to know good and evil. Now, he didn't do it. That was the devil's job. But God could have prevented that. God could have put the devil in some other dimension that was a million dimensions away from our dimension. He didn't have to put him where we were going to be. Is that true? Sure, and God's not smart enough to do that? Is that what you thought? (laughs) No, God could have done that. Part of the plan of what God was doing was he was producing human beings who knew both good and evil. The question is, did he intend us to only focus on the evil? Of course not. Does God only focus on the evil? Does God say, oh, look, there's a bunch of evil over there. Does he say that? You know what we should do is we should stop doing all that evil over there. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't ever say evil. He knows it. You know what? You know where I'm going, don't you? He's got it in his mind. He knows he can say darkness. He can say evil. He can say lack. He can say torment. He can say misery things. He just... What does he do? Before that? Chooses. Chooses, I'm sorry? Chooses not to say it. Oh, come on now. How many of you feeling a little fuzzy right there? You know, you feel it go up your back and all the way back down again. How many of you felt that? God chooses. He's not stupid. He doesn't not know the facts of your life. 
When he calls you up here and sees you hiding behind the wine press and he says, oh, mighty man of valor, he must not have seen you hiding behind the wine press. Is that true? No. Oh, miserable worm hiding behind the, wheel, the, uh, the wine press. No. He could have. He saw it. But he chose not to say it. Deuteronomy chapter 30 says this, that I have set before you blessing and cursing. Let's go back a stage. I have set before you good and evil, blessing and cursing. Therefore, therefore, I need you to get this. I need you to understand that right now, God thinks, has thoughts that are like your thoughts. He looks, he sees the evil. He sees the facts. He's not ignorant of the facts of the, what's going on in the world today. He just doesn't say them. He solves them. He solves them by not saying them. But instead of not saying them, he says, Almighty man of valor. You wimpy, nasty little... No, he doesn't even do that. He just calls him forth and says, you mighty man of valor. And then if you read the rest of the story, Gideon, whack job that he is, decided to believe that he was a miserable worm hiding behind the river. No, he started to believe that he was a mighty man of valor. So much so that he generaled up an army and defeated a whole bunch of barbarian people who had been stealing year after year and pillaging through the land of Egypt every time their harvest came. He's the one that stood up and said, I, Gideon, from heretofore known as a mighty man of valor, and he went and did it. Here's what the point is. If when we are being just like God, just like Jesus, stepping into our sonship, stepping into our God nature, that I was created in the image and likeness of God, now they have become like one of us. I've set before you blessing and cursing. Choose blessing. What does he mean? Choose to focus on the good. Choose to stop looking, stop paying so much attention to the things that are negative and evil and not the way you would have them to be in your life. Because you can't change them if all you do is look at them. Because if you look at them all the time, eventually they're going to come out your mouth. And once they come out their mouth, you get to get them again. Go to Romans chapter 4 with me. In Romans chapter 4 now, Romans 4, okay, not Romans 14, Romans 4. God basically goes through this little series. One, uh, chapter 1, he's talking about God is real and you're stupid if you don't believe in him. Num God, you know, number 2, sin is real and you need to not do it. Then chapter three, he goes on and talks a little bit more about, more about stepping into the New Testament. And then by four, he's now teaching us the next most important thing that we need to learn about living in the New Testament. He hasn't even got to being filled with the Spirit yet. And he's already teaching us the key principle that Abraham, the father of faith from thousands of years before, when we got his way uh, we saw what he did on the outside, but we did not get privy to the things that he was doing on the inside. It wasn't until Paul the apostle came and tried to do the same thing, and he paid attention to what was going on on the inside. What's going on in my soul? And he comes into these words, he says, you need to, this is what Abraham did. I know this is what Abraham did, he says. I'll tell you the story of Abraham. Abraham, he did things like God does them. Let's read it. You all with me? Yeah. Gen Romans 
New Testament, right? Romans 4. And go to verse um, 13. For the promise, for the promise, now this is the promise that was given to Abraham, right? The blessing of God that's going to pour out, the, 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 the covenant blessing that he put upon Abraham. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world. The heir of the world, okay? So if Alex is my heir, what does that mean? That means when I croak, what happens? He owns it. Is that true? The heirship of the world is talking about when God created Adam and Eve, he gave the earth to Adam and Eve. Why is there so much sin in the world? God, you must be, no, nothing to do with God. If I give you this shirt and you come back next week and it's got a rip in it, that's your right to do that, isn't it? You can tear it apart and let your dog play with it if you want. It's now your shirt. I can't go, what'd you do with my, I mean, I'll give you another one. But I can't complain because I gave you the shirt, right? That's what God did to the earth. God gave the, the possession. Even if he refers to it in Abraham's life. Possessor, Abraham. Possessor of heaven and earth. And he says, look at this now. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith that if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is void. Now listen here, verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. Let's do that, do that another time. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Who's all the seed? Who, do you know who all the seed are? He refers to Jesus. He, we thought Isaac was the seed. The New Testament straightens that out. Jesus is the seed. Uh, and if you're in Jesus, you're the then you're the seed. You are as, as much as an inheritor as Jesus is. Watch. To the end that the promise might be sure, possessor of heaven and earth, to all the seed, not only to them which are of the law, those would be the Israelites, not only, that doesn't mean that they're excluded. It's including the, Isra Isra the Jewish people not only to them that are of the law, but to them also which is of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. What he's saying there is that through faith, you have been given access to become or to step into, you already are a possessor of heaven and earth. You just haven't claimed your inheritance yet. When you step into that, then you step into the inheritance that has always been yours as a human being. A, a, a descendant of Adam and Eve who were given the earth. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations before, now listen here, 17. Before him whom, in, before him whom he believed, that's God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they already were. This is how God operates. This is how God, this word quicken is an English word, uh, of course, an old English word. We don't really use that word anymore. Quicken is what you do with your oatmeal now. We, the word quicken means to make alive or to give life, invi invigorate or uh, empower or to animate. What he's saying is that when God made everything that he made, he made it by calling those things which be not as though they were. So when we are doing it, we have been given access yeah. to have this airship, airdom, <laughs> inheritance, if we access it by faith. In order to access it by faith, we have to do one simple thing, which is absolutely counterhuman, non-intuitive at every level of a human existence. 
Every human being wants to call those things that are as though they are. You are not special. You're not smarter than anybody else. You don't have a better touch on the reality of your life because you choose to say what you have. God doesn't say what he has. He says what he wants. That's why I love when people come up and get prophecies. You'll get that in the next couple of weeks. Be careful as you're listening to your prophecy. When God says that you are such a mighty, abundant person who flows in the riches and might of all of creation, you're standing there going, did, did he see my, my bank account? He's not telling you who you are. I mean, not in factual form. He's telling you who you really are. You, he says, you're the, you're the heir of heaven and earth. You're the possessor. All that I have is yours, he boldly declares over you. And you're saying, no, that's not true. I don't have anything. You said the facts. God said the truth. They're different. Facts are what happens when you say something. What you say becomes a fact. Facts don't have the ability to be facts just because they have a life of their own. They have to be brought into existence by somebody calling those things that you might've been a rich person. And then you said, I'm broken, broken, broken. Now you're broke. Maybe we'll talk about that in a minute. You might've been a healthy person. I see people do this all the time. You never said a single thing about your health until you turned 40. And then you start talking on the other side of the equation, son of a gun, if you're not falling apart by your 65th birthday. Well, you ought not have been talking about it for 25 years. Just keep saying that I'm going to be as young, young and strong all the days of my life. I'm going to be strong, straight, long, strong, straight, and satisfied. Because what you're doing, you see how that bounces? Did you feel the bounce? Don't let it bounce. It's actually true. And so, let's get on my notes. So what we are doing then, as we are flipping the page, glory to God, do I have a pen? Okay, so you know what we're talking about, right? This is the confession curve. This is how, this is how you go through from, from beginning to end. Okay, this person we're going to talk about then, if we have to call those things that be not as though they are, how do we do that? And what do we do? How, what are we to expect? This is the key. Because if you know what to expect at a, at a certain stage through the process, let me tell you, you're going to get through this process lickety-split. Because you know where you are. The problem that we have done is that we haven't understood what place in the chart we are. I got saved yesterday, so I must be over here. And I'm looking around, where's the harvest? This stuff doesn't work, I'm going to go to another church. That's what we did. That's not, that's not, I'm actually, I'm not actually kidding. That's what we did. Okay, I come into this and Kenneth Copeland has been doing this for 50 years. I come into it the first day and say, I want what he has and you ain't giving it to me, so I'm out of here. That's, that's dumb, but I just didn't know better. Now we know better. So this is the place here. Okay, so this section here is the place where I say what I have and consequently, I have what I say. And that just keeps going and it will keep going for generations. It will get worse, but it'll just keep going that way forever because we're just being human here. We're just saying what we have and, and then having what we say. Then we get into this season right here where the word starts to come at us. The truth starts to come at us. We didn't necessarily understand it yet. Probably the first time I told you that there was no such thing as lack, you go, yeah. You lying, because you don't understand it. But you can't understand it. I didn't understand it first either, but you can. So there's a season here where the word keeps coming at you and is trying to get to the place, this magic moment, where you understand it, right? Remember we said, this is the, help me, Lord. Wow, that is not a ping pong paddle. That is a light bulb. 
Okay, most people think that revelation is when you get the light bulb. That's, it's not revelation when you get the light bulb. It's just intellectual recognition when you see the light bulb. It's like, oh, I get it at that point, okay? What we're doing in here now with our confession is we are just saying that we understand it, right? Calling those things. There's always a calling those things that be not as though they are. In every level here, even though I don't get it, I'm not gonna tell you I don't get it. I'm gonna tell you I get it. I understand truth. I am filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's job is to guide me into the truth. So I get it because I understand truth. I know what God says when he says it. Now, you understand, I'm the guy behind the wine press. I'm still feeling like the guy behind the wine press, but I start saying, I am a mighty man of valor. I start saying it. Instead of what most Christians do is they start arguing because their experience is not what God says. Like, like Gideon could have done and did, by the way. He started saying, Lord, you have no idea who you're talking to. Don't you know? Don't you know? He's talking to God. He's saying, don't you know? So you get whacked in the head when you start living this way too long. It's, you're too used to the excuses. You've rehearsed them so much. God comes along and says this, and you go, don't you know? Instead of aligning ourselves, Paul's teaching us New Testament. Paul is now teaching us what's going on on the inner workings and how do we learn how it, what it means to be a human being so that I stop doing the auto response that's getting me the auto life. I got to stop that. Interrupt it. No matter what stage you are at. What this confession is going to do, can I tell you? It's going to take a lifelong process, the ability to happen in 30 days. Because you can stretch this out, like, like offering time, if I can just use that as, a, as an example. I, I know people that have been hearing Christian offering time things and still believe in lack. They could quote, you know, the, the sowing and reaping abundant scriptures by heart, and they still believe in lack. How can that be? They're not wanting to get the understanding. They're not looking for it. So what I'm saying in here, I'm not arguing. I'm going to be a good Berean. You know what that is in Acts chapter 17? Careful. Read it. It's very important. It's like not calling things that be the, the way they are not or that they are not, right? Don't curse the bad thing. If in order to curse the bad thing, you have to look at the bad thing. I don't want you looking at the bad thing. Because God didn't look at the bad thing in order to get the good thing. He looked at the good thing. And he called those things that be not what he wanted to happen and said it was. So it's important that we don't do that. That we are calling those things that be not as though they are. Not are as though they are or are as though they are not. Are not as though they are already. But listen to the Bereans now in Acts chapter 17. It's very important because we, we fight this and we do it wrong. In the Bereans, then, he was talking in verse 10, and the, brother, the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming hither went into the synagogue of the Jews. There, they were very noble, they were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with readiness, all readiness of mind, like an eagerness. Eager looks like this. That's what it looks like. I'm listening. My cell phone beeped. I'm listening. It's too hot in here. You, I'm listening. I'm ready. Like I got, I'm tilted towards it. But listen to what he said. They received it with all readiness of mind. And then, and searched the scripture daily to see whether those things are so. Most Christians, especially when you hear something new, we fight against God and when the, the minister comes and he shares with us a truth and we get busy trying to prove that he's wrong. We do that. People do this to me all the time. They'll come to me after service. Don't do this now. Hopefully you won't do it. 
the, um, the, the, the people come up to me after service and they share with me 37 other scriptures or their doctrine or tradition that proves to me beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm wrong. I said, did you read that scripture? Because that one's a scripture too. Like you could have a scripture that Jesus lived in abundance and a scripture that says Jesus, then the foxes have holes and birds have nests and no son of man has no way to head. They're both scriptures. The fact that that scripture says Jesus didn't have a house to sleep in that night and that he lives in abundance are both scriptures. One, one scripture doesn't negate the other scripture. It's not a battle between two scriptures. Right. And if you find one that says uh, one thing and one that says the opposite thing, they don't negate each other. They're both true. That you could live in abundance and Jesus could have a house and a, everything else that life has, he didn't, but he could have had them and that night had nowhere to lay his head because he's out traveling. And are you okay to sleep under the stars? That's not a contradictory statement. What God wants us to do is when the word of God is coming to us, we receive it. We take hold of it. This is true. And I'm going to start looking through the Bible for when people's words actually produced in their lives. Mm. I'm not going to go looking through the Bible to find out that it's not true. Because there may be a scripture that says, shut up. But that doesn't mean this is not true. Like a hold your tongue. Let's do it like that. Elizabethan English. The Bible says, hold your tongue. Don't be too quick to speak. You could have that one. That would be, this must not be true, right? Doesn't work like that. Okay. Here what we're doing is we are declaring with our words that I get this. If you're looking to be a tither, like a real abundant living blessing of God, the devil is rebuked tither, then you keep declaring, even if you tithe, and, but you're not getting the results as you would see them should be, you start declaring, I am getting a revelation. I have a revelation of tithing. I understand that seed time and harvest principle, this universal principle that governs the entire, all of creation and the zone of God himself. I understand it. And I'm looking around everywhere, Holy Spirit. Show it to me. Show it to me in tomato plants. Show it to me in puppies. Show it to me when I see a baby coming down the street. Show it to me in every realm possible until I finally get it. Because I am a person who fully has a revelation of the process of seed time and harvest, particularly when it comes to the abundant life that God has for me. Number two, we're into this. So this, this can I show you? This area is run by pride. That's the key thing that runs this. I just say what I say and I get what I say and I just say what I get and say what I get and get, say what I get and say what I get all my life. And I'm not gonna change because facts are facts and you're an idiot. That's pride. What grabs this piece here now, that little section here, how do I get through this here to this place of understanding is humility. Submitting myself to the word of God. That's actually not a hard thing. When you submit under God, that doesn't make you the low man on the totem pole. God's the top. So me getting under that I'm not really, I'm probably going up. Can I share that with yeah. you? Because I'm probably not the smartest guy on the planet. So if I go one under God and submit to him, I, I probably went up the ladder, even though I'm submitting. Yeah. Does that make sense? Good, yeah. But it takes humility to be able to do that. Number three then is this zone in here. We talked about this last time. This is the tough zone, right? This is where persecution Affliction, all that stuff starts to happen for what? The word's sake. They're trying to get, you know, if I told you I'm coming to your house to steal your car tomorrow at 11 o'clock, chances are you're going to be waiting there to stop me, right? You'll be that smart. Now, I may fake you out and come at 1030 instead. Yeah. You may even be smart enough to lock your car right now because you know I might come and steal it. That's what God's doing. He's telling you, this is how it's going to work. This stuff is going to come. Just bite down and keep calling those things that be not Amen. as though they are already. Just keep doing it. 
Just look at the bill that comes in the mail and say, you're so paid, I can't stand it. <laughs> you look at that piece, that little, you don't even have to open it. And you can already start saying you're paid. I don't care how much you are. You don't have any clue whose house you came to. <laughs> and you start talking to it. Can I tell you what will happen? If you laugh at your bills, that energy that's building up on the inside of you that you're going to go broke and everybody's going to laugh at you is going to go away because you're laughing at it. Maybe he laughs back a little bit, but then you just laugh louder. You, did you forget who my God was? I'm sorry. Let's just take a moment, Mr. Bill. Come on over here. Let me show you something that God just finished saying to me that all that he has. As far as I'm aware, God has not missed a light bill in the throne room of heaven ever. See, that's what you have to do. You, you have to make this zone a game because this zone is driven by adrenaline. It's actually, it becomes a problem in a minute, but this zone here is driven by adrenaline. The way you do it is through the fear of the Lord. And testimonies and victories of the past. Do you know where last year's harvest is? Do you know what happens to last year's harvest that wasn't picked or whatever? It's a bit graphic. I know this is a G-rated program. The bananas that you ate the day before yesterday are now becoming topsoil. Am I okay to kind of skip a few steps there? The leaves on the trees in your backyard that were beautiful and luscious about three months ago are now becoming topsoil. Did you know that? They're all deteriorating and becoming soil. The history of victories that you have, or conversely, the defeats that you have now seen as learning moments, so they have become victories themselves. So they're either victories in the obvious way or victories in a not-so-obvious way that God has helped you in your knuckleheadness to understand. Those victories of the past are now becoming topsoil. In that scripture, Mark chapter 4, when it talks about the second layer, it says that this seed is sown among the rocks, and because it's sown among the rocks, it has no depth of earth. It means it's got no topsoil. Or maybe they won't have a lot of victories in this area, but you need to go and talk to somebody who does have a few victories and claim those victories as your own. Knowing that God do it for you, He'd do it for me. Yes, sir. God, do it for you. He'd do it for me. And I start, even if I don't have depth of earth, I talk about your testimony. Yeah. Or maybe I found a penny in a parking lot. That's not a lot of earth. One little leaf don't a ton of topsoil make. <laughs> a little bit of poetry there for you. A penny in a parking lot, not a, great, not a lot of earth. But it's a little bit of earth. And you start working on your earth and other people's earth, and other testimonies of earth that are happening, and you start to have more depth of earth. And he says, and because it has no moisture. So there's a water problem. There's an earth problem, a topsoil problem, and a water problem. So you can bolster your level of topsoil by getting some from someone else, or you can just water the heck out of it if you don't happen to have any testimonies. How do you water the heck out of it? The water of the word. Jesus is the word. He's the water. He's, I am the water, he says, eternal water, life eternal, like as in Zoe-filled earth, water, excuse me. As I keep saying the word, which is the promise, 
which is what God said to you, which is the truth that came to you in this time here that you realize, I'm trying to get that word into my heart. Certainly hold on to that one. May even be super diligent, Christian. Go find a few more. Ask somebody else, which one did you stand on? That one won't mean as much as the one God gave you, but it'll make the one God gave you even better. Because it's now gripped with another one. And when you're saying the word of God, I live abundantly. I will always have more than enough jobs and better jobs, raises, bonuses, and benefits. And I start declaring, calling those things that be not yet as though they already are. And I just keep saying it and saying it and saying it. When I say it, can I tell you what? When you say something, particularly if you say it strong, say I've been working out for two days. I wanted to give you a little bit of... uh... When you say it strong, Lee, thank you, it has the power to do something. Can I say, loud doesn't always work, but loud works here. Loud doesn't convince anybody but it does sure stop something from happening, and that is the negative thoughts and emotions that are going on in your head. When you get your bill, that one that you kind of think is bit big because of Christmas was a little bit more expensive than you thought, when it arrives in a few days, you just don't open it yet. Just start laughing at it. Ha-ha. Have you ever done this? Has Pastor Chin ever done this with you guys when you start laughing? Ha-ha. I like that one. So you look at that bill, that little twinkle in your eye, and you go, ha ha, I knew you were coming. I've been waiting for you because I know that I always have more than enough. So because you got here, I know something else is about to happen. You may not be a whole lot of fun, but I know. What has to come because you come is more money because something's got to happen because I know I can take you downstairs to to boxes. You need to go say hello to your about-to-be friends who are in the boxes in the basement. They came in talking just like you. I should have a six-shooter on my hip when I talk like that. Because I know. You come in here, stranger, talking like that. I'm telling you, you think you'll think, you, this, you, when that bill comes in, you put your hand on your hip. I remember the one time one guy came and he was in a parking lot, Niagara Square actually, came in a parking lot. I did something stupid, but then he did something even stupider. (laughs) And I will not tell you the rest of the story, (laughs) except to say that I put my hand right here. I had a big winter coat on and I put my hand right here. The guy was bigger than me and madder than me. And he backed up. Do you know why he backed up? Because he didn't know what I have right here. (laughs) Now, as a matter of fact, I didn't have nothing right here. But he didn't know that. But he knew. Buddy, are you sure? Do you want to see what's right here, buddy? I didn't say that, but I said it with my face and my hand. Because I knew if this don't work, I'm going to be hurting. But next time the bill comes in, put your hand on your hip. Say, I shot a hole in a thousand of you that's down in the basement in the box. You just, you, buddy, we're digging a hole for you already. We got a filing cabinet already waiting for you, buddy. <laughs> Talk like that. You think, you think it's funny right now? But let me tell you, you're going to come and tell me. You're going to be Pastor Ian, I'm glad to see you. <laughs> you see, what happens is, is you start talking like that, 
and you're going to start, then what happens is, is that the negative thoughts and emotions that are driving this adrenaline are going to go away. And you're going to get some peace. And you're going to realize this whole thing, it works just like God says it works. Now, that doesn't mean that you're all of a sudden going to have a pot of gold drop through the ceiling. There are works you still have to do. But if you get hung up in your misery of, of the negative emotions that have probably got worse than before. I remember when one of the things I was thinking about today. You know, we live in a nice house, and believe me, we have a nice house. And one year, you know, we were just going through it. You know, we had bills to pay, and we were wondering, you know, is this, you know, there's just, you know... And we get this letter in the mailbox. We had just been so busy. The ministry had just started, and we were like two businesses on the go and ministry on the go, and there was just so much we were doing. And we didn't take the Christmas lights off around our garage. And we get a note in the mail saying that, you know, how pathetic we are as people (laughs) because we are devaluing the real estate value in the entire neighborhood. Because we didn't take our Christmas lights down. Yeah. You know, how many of you would like to just had the videotape of who put that there? No. You see, you keep, you got to stay up. Get mad at somebody. Believe me, the devil wants you to get mad. That's why he promoted that person to go write that letter. All you do is you go... Because you just don't want to come off the curve. This journey right here is tough. When you're going through hell, keep going. Don't sit there. Don't, be, don't get into the next bill that comes in the mail. We used to get our next door neighbor's bills. And I used to think they were our. I didn't know. I, who's looking, right? You don't look at the name. You look at the, at the bottom. <laughs> I'm thinking, what, Tina, what did you do? I'm already, you know, way up there. I should have just, yes. before I open it, yeah. I've got my hand on, I, I, I'm taking the safety off that thing. Because <laughs> it's right after Christmas and, you know, Sometimes you got to be fast. That could have a comma in it. You know what I mean by that, don't you? So I got to take the safety off before I go to the mailbox. Because I may need to say something as soon as I get the stack. Right? I got to be ready. Because I'm not going in on adrenaline. I don't need to do that. I got the fear of the Lord. And I got testimonies and victories that say what God said is true. And it's about to become a fact. I'm not going to say about to. I'm going to say it is a fact already in my life. But I'll tell you, whatever the facts are from whatever, whoever I believed before, and believe me, he don't know nothing because he lies every time he speaks. That's what I used to believe and that's what I used to get. So if I'm on my journey to get something else, I got to make sure I don't say his stuff no more. Even though the facts are still appearing in my life, I don't want to say the facts. I want to say what I'm going to have Whoop-de-doop-de up here. The third level, did I get it through everything? Facts versus truth. So what am I doing in this area? This is the Romans chapter four right here. I've got the word of God here. So now the word of God is doing, it's got to go through three gateways. One, I have to consider not the natural limitations. That's the first thing. God says you're abundant. Who's got $4.92 for a sale bill? The natural limitation is beating on you. I don't have that much money in my account right now. Therefore, I better say something really bad with a few swear words in it. That was what makes sense to me. (laughs) No, consider not the natural limitations. It's not really hard to understand this part. Just stop considering it. I'm not saying don't pay the bills. I'm saying don't consider it. It doesn't matter. You just keep speaking the word of God over that thing. You pay it as best you can. Call Mrs. Smith. Do whatever you got to do, but keep saying what the word of God says and stop looking at the problem. 
The problem isn't going to look, it's not going to go away because you stare at it. It's going to go away because you get above the adrenaline, get above the fear, and speak the word of God to it with the expectation that you're going to win and it's going to go in the box in the basement. Consider not, then it stagger not at the promises of God. This is the grace. Pastor Alex has been working like a dog for a year now, trying to get us to believe that God's grace is upon us, that you didn't deserve the promise. Therefore, God's not going to give it to you because you're a lowly worm. No, (laughs) you're right. You don't deserve it, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how big the promise is. It doesn't matter that God says, beloved, I am with you always, and all that I have is yours. It doesn't matter if you can believe that you're a possessor of heaven and earth or not. Maybe the promise is too big for your mind. That doesn't matter. Maybe you're not smart enough, or you weren't born on the right side of the tracks, or you're not cute enough, or tall enough, or white enough, or black enough, or intellectual enough, or computer enough, or whatever you are enough. Maybe you're not, but that doesn't matter. All you need to get this is be breathing and human. That's it. And he's already said that to you over and over and over again. The grace of God makes the most amazing of things available to you that you just need to say, you know what, God, I just know you love me and I know I fall down and I stink every now and again, but I believe you got it for me. That I'm never going to exhaust the promises of God ever, 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 ever. And if you, the bill comes in the mail and you said, oh, I forgot to give in the offering the other day. God's not going to bless me. That ain't true. You're going to pay a price for not giving in the offering. No doubt. God's still going to look after you. He's still going to make a way. He's still going to fix it. He's still going to get you to that bill paid as long as you don't stop saying it. As soon as you say you're going broke, well, you've got it in motion. You're not necessarily going to go broke the next day. But you got it in motion now that you started to say it. Stop the motion. Start speaking the word of God to it till such time as you are fully persuaded. Can I tell you what fully persuaded does? Gets you to the other side of that line. I believe, this is what the Lord said to me the other day, there is there. I'm not wondering anymore if there is there. I don't go north on the QEW wondering if Toronto is there. I know it's there. I'm not worried about it being there. I just get on the road and go there because I know that there is there. there. Are you wondering if abundance is there for you? Are you wondering if health is there for you? Are you wondering if Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright is there for you? Are you wondering whether long life is available to you? Are you wondering whether... You got to settle that there is there. Fully persuaded is all about there being there. And when I'm on my way there, I know all I got to do is put one foot in front of the other. And I know sooner or later, sooner or later, sooner or later, I'm going to get there. Now, I'm saying I'm there already because that's my confession, but I don't mind if I'm not necessarily there because I know there is there. And as I go there to there and I keep it, my effort is moving forward, I know if I keep going there, I'm eventually going to get there. That's how this is going to work. That is fully persuaded. That is when Mark 11, 23, and 24, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou, then, and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart that there is there, but shall believe that there is there. He will have whatsoever he says. And we start saying now something different than we were saying before. Well, sort of different. You got a different purpose. See what happens when we become fully persuaded? We can tell the, I didn't write it down, thoughts and emotions go away. That's what happens. So much so that if we have just lived our life based on adrenaline, we don't even want to say our confessions anymore. 
because the only reason I said my confessions before was because the bill came in the mail. And it made me really afraid. And because I was really afraid, I had all this nervous energy on the inside of me. So Pastor Ian said, when you have that nervous energy, laugh. So I laughed, but I was initiated in the laugh by the adrenaline of negative, by the worry, by the freak out, by the plate that came flying across the room. So I said, thank you, Lord, I've got a great marriage. I'm not saying that's my life. It's not. I have the greatest wife in the world. But I might be motivated to do all of these confessions by the fact that negative things start coming up my life all the time. And so I am always ready with my hand on my gun because I live by adrenaline. There's always somebody about to shoot at me. There's always an Archelian battleship about to fire on earth. When you cross this line, those go away. There is there, man. Hakuna Matata. But the thoughts and emotions, you have to learn now, this is the baddie, discipline. Focus. You do your confessions, calling those things that be not as though they are because you are driven by the most amazing of, uh, on earth the most amazing power that exists on the planet. It's not lithium crystals. It's vision. Because I know those things that be not as though they already are. What starts to happen here, we get green fruit. If you eat it, it's sour. And it's, <coughs> oh, it's got a little nutrition in it, but it's green fruit. Green fruit is, God, you get the bill paid, but you just get enough. And you're mad in a hornet because your stomach goes sour. Why, God, why? Lottery ticket, $5. You couldn't give me the big one, Lord. I'm not saying get lottery tickets, but goodness sakes, God. You could get Bill Gates to come to the door. He gave me $18.50. You could have done better than that, Lord. <laughs> 30, 60, 100. Vision. Can I tell you what happens to vision? Vision keeps growing. If you ever had one, you know that when you get close to fulfilling the vision, it sprouts another vision. 30 is great when you get 10. But once you get 28, you're thinking, oh, I could do 60. You get to 55 or so, gosh, honey, we can do 100. That's what we do. It's human to do that. It's a negative also because the deceitfulness of riches say that, you know, that, that we just never settle. I'm not saying don't settle in the natural. Don't be getting covetous and jealous and envious, which is what happens. That's the deceitfulness of riches. The more I get, the more I want. That's the baddie side. Starts to look around, you know. I got time on my hands now. I'm going to go wander around the malls and see what I don't have yet. That's not going to work for you. I'm not saying don't go to the mall, but you go what you get what you want. Get out. Get out. Now the malls are on our hips. They work like this now. Get what you need. Get out. It's going to make you 
jealous, it's going to make you covetous, it's going to make you envious. The evil, I used to call them the, the evil sisters, but I don't call them that anymore because that would be a gender-specific term, and so I'll call them the evil monuments or something, let's call them like that. The evil horses that drive us, there's a good one, right? Don't do that. That's the deceitfulness of riches. That's the lust, desire for other things. That's the cares of this world that get us to look like longingly. Now that we've tasted a hamburger, now I need a T-bone. I can't possibly live without a T-bone. Thank you, Lord, for the Pinto. I don't know why it couldn't be a Cadillac, you know? That's our nature. What are we saying? As we're going through here, this confession curve that's going through here, great full Ness. Thank you, Lord, for what you have already done. And thank you, Lord, for what I have. Stuff that I can see, stuff that I can't see yet, but I have Mark 11, 23, 24. I have, have already, past tense, received it. Haven't quite got it yet. You know, I bought, I just, right, 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 did you hear in worship? Did you hear that? Did we hear that? And Jessica did. Of course, all the worship team did. They were getting aggravated with me. It wasn't my fault. But in the middle of that worship today, I went on my iPad and I bought a post soundboard equalizer. Can I tell you something? We have a post soundboard equalizer. The problem is we don't have it yet. But I have it. I can show you the receipt when I bought it. You bought it, actually. The church bought it. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> but I don't have it yet. But I can, you can go tell your friend. Do you know I go to a church that has a post soundboard equalizer? They won't be lying. Because we do have one. We just don't have one yet. Oh, do we, do? We, have, we, well, we do have one, but we don't have it. You understand my problem? You see the problem? Yes. Same problem. I'm not lying. We have one. Beautiful. I mean, if you like that stuff, beautiful piece of equipment. And I can keep saying it. I have one. I have one. I have one. I have one. And somebody, I don't know who it is, some angel, perhaps, UPS, maybe, is going to get it here for me. It's going to show up at the door. Sort of. It's going to show up at Mike's door. <laughs> Sorry. Some of our logistics still has to be worked out. But it's coming. Do you see, it? Do you see what, I'm, what I'm trying to show you? So, and I'm thankful for what I have. We have a great soundboard which we have. And we also have a great equalizer, which we also have. We just don't have it the same way as we have that. But we still have it. So what I can be grateful for is what I have and what I have. That's reference to Mark 11, 23. I'm being grateful all the time. When I see somebody get blessed, I am blessed with them. I'm not envious of them. When I see a new iPhone come out, the iPhone 72 comes out. I'm not mad at my iPhone 3. All I got to do is go back to the beginning. And don't worry. The same way you got the iPhone 3, just keep doing it. Okay? You don't have to get covetous. You don't have to get jealous. You don't have to get envious. You just push push inside and not long before it appears on the outside. What I have to do is I have to be, can I tell you, on the evil, the evil triplet monuments? <laughs> I'll work on that, don't worry. Envy, jealousy, and covetousness. Be careful who you hang around. The Lord was speaking to me just before service tonight. Did you know that your emotions, all of your physiology is electrical in your body? Yes. Did you know that? It's all based on, in, like my arm getting to do that is based on electrical impulse that my something, something. It's like that. Take my arm apart. Do you know that there is a field, like a, if, you, if you look at the, the, the uh, help me science guys, what's the field, Josh? The, the electromagnet, thank you, Alex. Sorry, Beep, you lose. Alex. <laughs> 
There's an electromagnetic field around an electrical current. When you get close to the negative emotions of another person, you can feel them. Have you ever, ever walked into a room where somebody's been yelling and screaming and then they pull it together but right before you get there because they know you're coming and then you're going in there going, um, yeah, I have a, uh, in the, um, so I have to, uh, you've done that, right? What you're feeling is like a surge of electrical, emotional energy going through those two people that you can now feel when you walk in there. It hasn't dissipated yet. When we hang around people who are very jealous and envious and covetous, when we go to the strip joint, let me, guys, and we watch a whole bunch of other, we're only there to get people saved. But the lust that they're feeling, it can, it, you can pick it up. And then you say, oh, I must be a lustful person. Good, that was a good thing to say, first of all. Second of all, you'll pick it up and say it's yours. Hmm. Oh my gosh, I better get rid of that lustful feeling that I'm feeling right now. I got a lustful feeling and I got to get rid of that lustful feeling and up, that up, that up, that up, that up until you are now got it on your onesie. Same with going to the malls. Same with whether it would be your porn mag or it would be your Victoria's Secret mag, which would be also a porn mag. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? The uh, scrolling, yeah. Be careful. This is why we get in trouble, because we don't realize that that's how we're getting it. We're picking up this vibe, this electromagnetic field sometimes, a spiritual field other times. You're getting, and you're starting to own it. And it starts to get in you, and then you go, oh yeah, they do have better blue jeans than I have. <laughs> Not that there would be possible, because I'm really decking it today, but you can get that. And you see what happens? <laughs> this is, <laughs> the devil just loves this part. It chokes the word and you goeth back to the beginning of again. Why? How did that happen? It doesn't happen because the devil has any power. Remember, he don't. He lets your guard down. And then what did you do? Honey, honey. How come, how come Mary's husband buy her a new pair of blue jeans and yet I don't got no blue jeans? How come we ain't rich like them, honey? That's what you start doing. You start murmuring. You start complaining. Which you would never do if you just didn't go and hang out in places that have that. It's just the way our culture's all been built. We've been a culture built that lives on jealousy, envy, and covetousness. It's, it needs you to do that. You need to be infected with these things in order for you to be a good consumer. And so they need this always going in you, so they create lots of opportunities for you to be that. You know, you walk through the malls, guys, you know what I mean when you have to walk down looking at your own shoes, because if you look anywhere else, What you do is you start murmuring, complaining. What does that mean? That means you start saying again, the opposite. I start saying, I don't have enough money. I don't saying I'm starting to fall apart. I'm not saying the, you know, all of these negative things, my marriage, my kids, my car, my this, my that. I start saying, that's what complaining is. And you're going back to the beginning again. And you've just prolonged, you got a little taste. That's the worst. You get a little taste of it in here. And then the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things, they get you off the mark. You stop saying your confession. You stop being centrally focused on abundance. You start thinking about lack, sickness, misery. You start thinking about them again. And you start letting them come out your mouth. Don't do that. This is a season of discipline and focus. The Christian life of abundance is a life of discipline and focus driven by an ever-increasing vision. Driven by an ever-increasing vision of where you're going, and better still, 
where God has you going. He'll tell you the real mark. We'll pick one way down here that's good for us. That's a little one. God wants to use your life to do just above and beyond anything you could imagine. Impact the world in such powerful ways. That's why we got to go to him even now in this season of the beginning of the year and say, okay, God, what's my life about this year? What do you find important in me that I need to focus on? What do you say about me this year? When you hear the prophetic words, if you do that as a family, come up here and hear the prophetic word from the Lord for your life. Grab it, record it, write it down. You can have it, it's yours. Put your hand over your heart and say this with me. Say, Jesus, you are so amazing. You've taught me how to live a life filled with miracles. I live a life filled with supernatural things happening all the time as I jump over hurdle after hurdle, doing the impossible before breakfast. That's just my life. That's the life you've given me. I boldly declare that I am a possessor of heaven and earth. I boldly declare that I am beloved of God, that everything he has is mine, that he will always be with me. I never have to be afraid. I never have to fear because I know my future is bright. I love my life because I know God is with me and my vision is there. And I know I'm going there in Jesus' name.